too. And what was the company so. that you you built and sold? <clears throat> well, I, I tell people I, I I was in the. It kind of ties into what you were saying. I was in the glamorous moving and storage business. Oh wow! And we were re, we were relocating tens of thousands of customers, like from California to Illinois, from Florida to Virginia. Uh, you know, those kind of things like that. And so, well, it may not have been glamorous, but I'm sure it was very lucrative. Well, it uh, it was. Uh, we had a very successful company, and uh, actually our culture was our secret sauce. And uh, it was really our people that we, we had... Um, uh, you know, we had uh, our people gave us results that were far beyond traditional uh, benchmarks in our industry. So uh, I, I give our people a lot of credit for that. And, and I will attest to that because I've, I've worked with a few moving companies um, for myself, for my family, for my friends. And I can't say, I can't say it always goes as planned, number one, and number and number two, there's always something that is a big disappointment, yeah. whether it be with the yes. customer service, whether it be with the transportation itself, the yeah. delay of the transport. Yeah. There's like, there's a lot of variables and oh, I went through know. a handful yeah. of them and I'm just like, man. So, so the fact that you're saying that, um, that, that's a big testament because I, that, that's definitely what is missing in that industry. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a shame. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for for me, it was very natural, and uh, I was very fortunate that our people. Uh, it when I when I sold a company, if you walked around and just talked to our employees, they would talk with you as though they own the company and not Bobby Albert. And you can't, you know, you just can't buy that no. kind of, uh, uh, you know, desire on their part. So it just says that you treated them right. Well, we really took care of yeah. our people. We really did. And, um, uh, you know, we paid fair wages, but we had high expectations for results, you know. Uh, but we uh, uh, we uh, treated them uh, very fairly and that they knew that uh, they we cared for them. So. The one thing that I tend to, a missing link that I see in a lot of companies these days is the the humanization aspect of things like exactly like, hey, that's the biggest like, gap talk yeah. you know treat your people like human beings and you'd be surprised just how long they would go for you and how much yeah. they would go to bat for you and <clears throat> exactly yeah we we didn't even have a hard time recruiting people uh, because our employees were our biggest recruiters that's fantastic uh to rec yeah. So, I mean, it didn't happen all the time, but, you know, occasionally we'd even have a waiting list of people that wanted to come to work. Wow. You know, that's there. a huge so, compliment. That's a huge so, compliment. Uh, yeah. I, anyway, it, uh, it was fun. Uh, but, uh, Close that chapter. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, I tell people I'm living my second half of life. I was, you know, blessed with, the company buying, you know, that bought us. Uh, but I just not want to sit still. Yeah. I, I got to keep going, 
you know. So uh, I'm doing this because I enjoy it and I have fun and and uh, uh, it's hard. You know, sometimes I think, golly, why am I working so hard, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway. That's what God put you on this earth to do, my friend. Yes, that's exactly right. You know? And it's the exactly fact that you don't right. have to is is a true testament to the fact that you were meant to. Yes. So yeah. that's definitely a blessing. So is did you just yeah. feel a calling to wanting to, you know, empower people and coach them and lead them and and help them succeed? Well, uh is that uh it that's a very good question. This goes all I mean Take way back. back to 19 19- Way back to 1987, I started seeing my work as a ministry and not a job. And that grew so large in our company that uh, the uh, we had in our human resource department, HR department, we had to hire an extra person just to help us manage all of the logistics of how we were not only, it started out just uh, ministering to employees, but we began to figure out how to minister to customers and suppliers. Cause we, now we call them suppliers, but they were, you might call them contractors and we had more business than we could handle. So we had to hire, we had about 3000 contractors wow. across uh, the United States. And we figured out ways how to even minister to them as wow. well. That's because that's so. huge because you it's one thing to have the culture within your or, own organization, but contractors, they're independents. That's exactly you know? right. So it's, that's 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 a tough, tough. Well, uh, <clears throat> I tell you what, uh, and it I, I thought it would happen this way. And it did is that the way we it, it we showed them just as much care as we did our employees, our employees i mean they knew where my heart was uh, uh, to take care of the uh, contractors and um, uh, it, it got where that they they w- would be seeking us to do more business mm-hmm. for us uh, not not because of the financial because they just like doing business with us because because they knew we would be fair, but we also had technology they weren't even experiencing. You know, they didn't, uh, we made it easy for them to do business with us. We were teaching them how to improve in their business. We were trying to lift them up. Uh, We took on a servant uh, attitude. In fact, uh, this kind of ties into the culture is, you know, we had the traditional organization chart and organization and uh which you know showed me at the top and and you know everybody below that uh but uh we we still had that all the way up to me uh selling the company but it uh, what it signals to the employees they come to work for the person at the top of the organization and uh but i turned it upside down and i took on the role to serve, to equip, to develop uh, the leadership team. They knew they had the responsibility to do those same things for people that reported to them all the way up to the frontline employee. And we, uh, 
had the uh, customer at the top of the organization chart. And um, uh, since I was talking about seeing my work as a ministry, uh, uh, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 was the foundational verses uh, of our company. So our employees heard me uh, say this at least four times a year that we come to serve the Lord Jesus Christ when they come to work every day and not Bobby Albert. I, they, I made it clear uh, who we were really, really served. So when we served the people on the front line, when we served the customer, we were serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that because that's, that's foundational. That's your, that's your number one reason why you are there. And you also, like people that are listening, you know, whatever your religious beliefs are, <clears throat> there, ha- there is, there's profound, um, there's a profound level of like respect and reciprocity when the, the, the owner, CEO, founder of an organization is essentially saying like, you're not here to serve me. That, that's yeah. not what you're here to do. In fact, we're here to serve a higher purpose. And exactly. and if you were to take not to say that I am, but like let's just say, uh, you know, there's a entrepreneur or business owner listening, which most of the time there is. If they were to take your structure and your methodology and reverse engineer it, it's almost like a guaranteed yeah. working formula, because people are exactly. people. They yeah. want to be treated <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that's what's so funny about today's world with all of the shouting and the talking back and the. Oh. Oh yeah. <clears throat> like at the end of the day, like, like this is the other thing, Bobby is I was having this conversation with uh, a friend of mine and I said, you know, half the stuff that is said online wouldn't be dared to be said in a face to face environment. Like if you yeah. were at my house and you were sitting down on my couch, would you dare to say those things? 99% <laughs> of the time you would not, yeah. you know? And, and that's where it comes from. I, I anyways, so did that 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 formula that essentially you had developed based on faith is that the yeah. foundation of the success that you've been able to find with this new company that you that you've started to help people well uh the name of our our uh, actually we're going through a rebranding process right now but uh the rebranded name will be uh values driven culture and and so uh, it we actually when when I first started this second half of life that was like a sub brand mm-hmm. uh, and we had already the URL but uh, just chose to go ahead and make that the brand name and um, uh, the you know culture is uh, is the fruit and not the goal uh, so many companies have made culture the goal. And what I mean, they say, well, we want our people happy. We'll bring in the ping pong tables. We'll give them all the food and beverage they want to drink free and all that because they've made it a Mm -hmm. goal. But it it has a lot to do with uh, effective leadership, uh, communication, uh, people understanding uh, who you know? Who we are? Why we exist? Where we're going? What do we want to accomplish every day? What is the strategy to do that? And not only that is we 
went to great lengths to engage our employees uh, to be involved in the decision-making process on the tactical side of how and when and who's you know who's going to mm. do this and how's it going to get done when is it going to get done and then we would measure um, had measurable goals uh, and since we involved them so much in that decision-making process that's where the ownership took place so uh, that's the reason why when I sold the company you know I mentioned about interviewing People would talk because what we were doing, it was as much as their, uh, it was their company that was accomplishing these things. Was it, was it a tough adjustment for, for your team, for your staff? Uh, no, uh, not as much as you really would have thought. Uh, and of course this was, you know, I talk like it just, you know, it just happened, but it took, you know, it was a process over years. And um, uh, the reason why I say values driven is that we saw a significant uh, occurrence happen in year 2005. Um, I, I, uh, for many years, our employees clearly knew our purpose, why we exist. They knew our vision, where are we going? They clearly knew, I call them super objectives. Some organization would call them mission. They knew exactly what we wanted to accomplish. They had, we talked about it all the time, but there was one thing I kept telling myself, there's something missing, something is missing here. And I finally discovered it was our core values, who we mm -hmm. are. And it just so happened, uh, I, uh, uh, just researching about it, I came across uh, two books uh, by Jim Collins. And one of the things that we did with our people, we'd have our leadership team, we'd have these book reviews. And we'd take a chapter a month and sit down over lunch and talk about that chapter. But uh, it really came down is the founder, which is basically me, uh, that's where the core values come from and the purpose. And so um, I, it, it took me actually two and a half years to figure out who I was. I had to ask myself some very deep questions. It's kind of like your listening audience tonight or today is, uh, here's the big question. Who are you? Who are you bone deep? Who are you? I tell you what, that's a tough question. Most people don't know it, and and we sometimes can go entire lives. When you said it took you two years, I mean, it can take us our lifetime to be able to discover that. Yeah, and uh, I had to ask myself a lot of lot of tough questions, like, well, why did I say what I just said, and why was it even important to me to say and do what I just you know said and did, kind of a thing. Uh, what am I all about? I mean, I mean, I was digging into when I was a little boy, you know, and, but I tell you what, just all of a sudden one day it's like, I think I'm ready to figure out who I am. And I took a, a yellow tablet, sat down in my, I call it my thinking chair, my bicycle. I do a lot of bicycling and that, I, that's also my thinking chair as well. But 
I sat down in my thinking chair at the house and I pulled out my yellow tablet and I did a, you know, a T-chart and I said, okay, what are the things that I have a passion for? What gets me fired up? What, what am I excited? Get, I'm, I mean, I get really excited about. And I wrote a whole bunch of words down that kind of describe that. And I thought, well, maybe I ought to look at on the other side of the coin and when certain things are not done, what are the, you know, uh, what are the things that gets me upset that I get fired up because they didn't get done, you know, the way I would expect it and those kind of, and I made a big long list of words that describe that. I came up with about 30 words. Well, on both, you know, a total of both sides. And I noticed that what was interesting, they were six words that were identical on both sides. So I circled and I started looking at those words and looking at them and I'm thinking, you know what? That is who I am. That is Bobby Albert. And that ended up being our core values. The reason why I'm sharing this is that in 2005, I introduced our core values to our people who we were. And uh, the way I introduced it, uh, we shut down the company for a half a day. And uh, we uh, uh, we passed out t-shirts. Now the t-shirts had a logo on it and it had the words givers. I mean, it had the word givers on it. Now, uh, the, uh, the graphics company, when I shared our core values, they, um, they asked me, well, what are the key words in, in this, these six phrases here? Cause they were very, you know, like two to three word type of phrases. And I circled them. And uh, when they came back, they said, do you realize the words, the letters, the, the first letter of each word spells out the word givers? Well, that fits me even as well. Cause I'm a giver, you know? And so we passed out these t-shirts the day before and everybody was like, what is Bobby going to do now? You know? And so when they came, uh, I would share with our people, there were basically three things I would share, uh, about, uh, well, well, what we did, we played, you know, on TV, the TV show called the wheel of fortune. Well, we played a game called the wheel of values. And you know how you guess the phrase. So on the first core value, we played that game, the will of, of, uh, of values for, we had tables, you had like, you know, we had over 150 employees. So, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, six people per table, uh, in, in the area we had. And so they played the game to guess what that first core value was and and the the, uh, uh, the table that guess uh, that phrase correctly first, they had to yell out the word uh, "givers." And behind me was a big spinning wheel of prizes. Now we didn't have like sixty-inch color color television, you know, or anything like that. But there were nice prizes on that spinning wheel. So that table, somebody, they would select somebody to go that spinning wheel, spin the wheel for, cause everybody at that table was going to win something. And so, but then I asked that every table to go 
Uh, well, after that, I would share where did that core value come from? They heard stories about, you know, when I was a little boy, you know, and stuff, that, stories they never had heard before. And then we went to, I had flip charts for every table, and they went to that flip chart to talk about how, <clears throat> how are we going to live out that core value? And that's the reason why it took us a whole half a day to go through to share with our people about those core values. But uh, I keep saying this is the reason why I'm sharing all of this. From 2005 to 2011, 2011 is when I sold the company, is, and I don't know if you might remember this, uh, Mo, but... Uh, uh, in late 07, mm -hmm. 08, 09, 2010, the economy was yeah. in the tank. They call it the, you know, the Great Recession. Yep, that was fun. And fun times. Uh, yeah, a lot of people lost their jobs or businesses and things. But even with that condition like that, our revenue and profits grew by 500%. Wow. So. This gives you the background of why the brand name is values-driven culture. And culture is really talking about the people. And culture is really hard to describe. If you looked up some uh, formal, formal definitions, uh, <laughs> it'll confuse you more than, you, you know, uh, afterwards. You're more confused, actually, than you were even before because you can't figure out what did they actually say. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, but this is the best way I can describe the uh, core values. Hey, you know, I mentioned earlier, I love bicycling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've ridden close to about 120,000 wow. miles on my bike. So, so uh, the- Stationary uh, or like, uh, like outside? Outside on, on roads, on, you know, country roads and things. So, uh, the, uh, uh, the, so in Texas, the wind blows. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I'm always checking the velocity of the wind and the direction of wind. Cause I, I prefer to go against the wind going out. So it, when I'm tired, it'll blow me back, you know? Uh, and so, uh, I, it's uh, that strong, uh, but it, it, I tell you what, today was over 20 miles oh an hour, you know, so, but that's a little high for typically, but, uh, uh, but I'm, that's one reason why I bicycle a lot often in early in the mornings because the wind is not near as strong. And, uh, and of course during the summer, it's a lot cooler too, but the, uh, but it, here's the question. Has anybody ever seen the wind? Nobody's ever seen the wind, but we see the effects of the mm -hmm. wind. If you went outside, like right now, because it's blowing pretty strong, you could see whatever leaves that are still left in the trees, you could see them shaking. The, the bushes are shifting back and forth. So, but you see the effects of the wind, but you don't see the wind. And that's the same thing about culture. You, you can't see it. But you see the effects. That's the reason why it is the fruit and not the goal. Wow. Wow. I think, I think that is the missing link to a lot of organizations. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. 
so I guess my question is how, where was, so you, you sold in 2011. When did you decide to switch or at least follow the thing that was driving you towards your purpose? <clears throat> well, it, it was always in the back of my mind because for probably 20 years before selling a company, I was always being asked to speak or do a workshop uh, at trade association meetings. And uh, even locally, people would invite me, you know, to share about my leadership style and, you know, those you're a very good storyteller. It's very engaging. Like I, this is the least that I've talked on a podcast. I'm just listening. <laughs> well, thank you yeah. for the encouraging, uh, you know, yeah. compliment there. It's a big one. Uh, but yeah, well, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So, uh, but so people have been asking me, you know. So it was kind of in the back of my mind. But I'll be honest with you. After I sold my company, it's like I got to keep doing something. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to sit around the house. I'm not I'm not someone to go to the oh, beach yeah, and. Yeah. Just sit there and look, you know, look you at know, the waves coming in. Uh, that would so like kill your spirit, I, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and uh, so I kind of, you know, I played with a lot of different ideas. And finally, I just said, you know what? Uh, this, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. And so that's the reason why I developed. Uh, and I, so I've published uh, three books and I've, I've got uh, uh, four more books wow. coming out. What are the three that, books, if that, you don't mind me asking? Well, uh, the first one was called, it's called Principal Profits. Okay. Uh, the second one is called uh, True North Business. And the third one, which is a little different, the first two are about leadership and workplace mm -hmm. culture. Uh, the third one is a little different I took the what I've learned in leadership and what I've learned about culture and applied it. It's called the Freedom Paradox, oh. and applied it about how we can reunite uh, the United States of America. And That'd be a beautiful uh, it, thing. It, yeah, and so uh, that's the book. I, I I I teach a lot. In the book, I talk about the same kind of things I would ha I have in the business books, but I show application of what's going on around us. I I, be, I don't know how to explain it, but I've just been blessed to see things that other people just don't see that's going on around us. And that's why you have to do what you're doing, because people yeah. don't see it. And so you got to be yeah. able to profess that, to communicate that, to educate, to share um, however, which way you can do so. I mean, this is just one platform, you know, writing a book is another, your, you know, your, your speaking engagement is another. So a any opportunity that you have now, is it just you or did you, did you build an organization around this new venture or are you just trying to, um, are you just trying to keep it just you and, and focus on, um, what, what you're trying to No, We had, yeah, we we have a small staff of people. Everybody works remotely, and uh, uh, some people work more hours than others, kind of a thing. And we uh, uh, contract out a lot of other activities that 
or beyond, you know, that takes more special specialization. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, uh, that's kind of how we've structured this this organization. And so. the small staff that you do have, um, same philosophy and everything applies? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we all see our work as a ministry and not a job. I, I got to say, Bobby, so, I love that so much, that you see your work as a ministry and not a job. Like That really resonates with me. It's going to make me think about what I do on a day-to-day basis a lot differently. So I appreciate that. That's, yeah. that's really big. Well, uh, yeah, we'll see, uh, you know, you know, Jesus told his disciples, uh, hey, the Son of Man came to uh, not be served, but to serve. And, um, uh, and that's kind of the undercurrent of the upside-down organization chart that I shared with you uh, earlier. Uh, but... Um, uh, we, uh, my, my strength course is in the leadership area and, um, and strategic, uh, thinking and planning and those kind of things like that and pointing people to the essentials that you need, uh, to, uh, regularly communicate, uh, to your people and, uh, with clarity. Uh, the other course is engaging the employees. How do you do that? And um, we we had an actual physical button uh, that we uh, would bring up. It's called the one two three, and and what that what that stands for is that uh, at the beginning of the decision making process and before you make a decision is ask yourself three questions: is who can help me make a better decision? Uh, who will have to carry it out? and who would be impacted by it and get them involved in that decision-making process. And that's comes from, that's the engagement. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing right now, you know, the talk about the great, uh, re, you know, resignation that's going on. Uh, and uh, I, I can, I, I coach uh, not only business, uh, senior business leaders, but also, uh, uh, senior leaders of nonprofits, uh, uh, educational institutions, uh, uh, and even uh, pastors of churches. And it's a pretty amazing right now. There's something, it's like something's in the water. And I think it's something going on in our culture that peop, uh, the, so many of these leaders are, the, the t- easy term that you hear, they're burnout. They feel like their legs have been kicked out from underneath them. They're just about to give up. Uh, and it's, I, I mean, I'm sitting there coaching them, talking them off the edge of the, you know, of the ledge to, uh, before they jump, you know, because uh, there's, the opportunities are great right now. But what I've observed, it's kind of another paradox uh, is that it's fascinating that uh, we're experiencing more and more and heavier and heavier of a top-down type of leadership. You know, my you heard, you know, when I'm talking about turning the organization chart upside down, I'm leading from the bottom. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the tank. I'm in the cellar, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, uh, but we're gravitating more and more because so many businesses, churches, 
uh, nonprofits, their results are a lot less than they used to be. It was always kind of top down, but COVID really brought the results down. And, and the top leader is sitting there thinking, if it's going to be, it's up to me and I've got to push harder and harder. So the employees are members at a church. All they hear is just give me more, give me more, give me more. And, uh, uh, but what happens is that the engagement of people being involved in that decision that's impacting them or they have to carry out it's becoming less and less. And that's a re they, there's a feeling at people below uh, the top leadership in, in our country, you know, in general, is that uh, with the mandatories, uh, you know, mandatory, you know, this and that, and you're, there's more rules and regulations and you're being told how you live mm -hmm. and all this. And people are just flat fed up. But... Uh, this is one thing uh, Jesus said that, uh, you know, he told us the mission of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh -huh. And just think about all around us, uh, this is being destroyed. This is being destroyed. You know, things that were very natural and common, the way things were going on around us, it's, it's, it's all, it's like everything's turned upside down and it's because it's being destroyed. And so, uh, uh, but, but it, it's fascinating. What's scary is that if the will, uh, you said something earlier, if the will of the people, if they give up, uh, the people at the top of the country of an organization, uh, this is the reason why you got so many people, the great resignation. People are looking on, they're looking for, they're ready to jump the fence to go to a greener mm -hmm. pasture rather than trying to make the pasture that they are in greener. It, it, they're going to a quick, you know, I call it expedient decision-making is that it seems quicker and easier uh, and there's more self-gratification and short-term gain if I just jump the fence and see if I can get another, you know, get on a greener pasture somewhere. But the problem is when they jump over there, there's a whole new set of mm -hmm. problems when they jump on the other side that they didn't even know about. So, so uh, uh, my coaching is, is where you are, just make the pasture greener where you are first before you start looking on the other side of the fence. I, I think that is beautiful. And <clears throat> I, uh, I mean, I had that mentality for a second too. You know, I wanted to move. I was like, this is, this place is getting terrible. Like Oregon was such a beautiful state and you know, now it's not safe and all this is going on instead of trying to make, uh, make it better here i was i was thinking of just jumping ship and and i honestly i would have to be frank you know if i didn't get yeah. voted i would have it yeah <laughs> well it's very natural yeah. right now it's where we are there's some that's part of what's going on in our culture and but it's fascinating that the senior leadership of our country and our 
in various organizations, they think that if they push their people harder with rules and regulations and requirement, job requirements and push them harder and harder, they're going to get the results up. And it doesn't yeah, work break. that way. They're going to break. And when, they're, when they break, their wheel's going to break. And then everything, it, you know, the, everything's going to mm-hmm. tumble. And it's going to be catastrophic. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So what do we do? Well, uh, it really takes leadership. Yeah. And people will do what people see. If they start seeing the leadership uh, demonstrate that, hey, I really care for you. You really belong here. I'm going to allow you to uh, participate in the decision-making process. I'm going to not only train you with head, you know, job skills, for example, but I'm going to develop you as a person to be all that God wanted you to be. And uh, so I'm. I'm uh, that was one of the things, one of my strengths, because. I, I, I tried to work on the people to uh, to be all they could be because I was looking beyond the job they did every day. I'm thinking I want to help them be a better dad, a better mom, a better granddad, a better grandma, a better friend. Uh, that's where I was looking at. And uh, I, I, I tell you what, uh, these, these are just simple little tactical They things. are, but they make so much sense, Bob, because here's the deal. If you, if our government leaders had your perspective, I mean, just imagine where we would be right now. But it's like, and listen, oh, yeah. I don't know everybody's story. I don't know our government leaders personally. So I can't sit there and make an accusation. But based on what's happening within my own current state and what I'm seeing across the board nationwide, it just sounds like it's not working and it's not the best course of action. And to keep, yeah. to keep stuffing our faces with these mandates and these rules and these regulations and limit our way of life. Like that's not what this country was founded upon. And nor no. was it the reason why so many people migrated here and, and, and got to create yeah. a life that they could only imagine, you yes. know? So that's, yeah, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you just touched on, you know, I said that my third book was a freedom paradox. Well, this is the paradox is, uh, is, uh, I, I'm not a history buff, you know, but I, to write the book, I had to dig really deep in, do a lot of research on American hit early American history. And what I found is the core values of our country when it was founded was freedom uh, uh, and responsibility, talking about personal responsibility. And the purpose was religious freedom. That's the reason why people came to America to begin with. Uh, And, uh, but here's the paradox. The more we behave irresponsibly, the more freedoms we lose. And but conversely, the more responsible, the more we behave responsibly, the more freedoms we gain. 
That's the paradox. And, and it ties in with uh, helping people be all that they can be so they can take personal responsibility rather than told what to do. And that's the reason why you're, like you're experiencing, I'm experiencing this. I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, trying to push back. I'm, I'm, I, I think there's, uh, but you can just imagine in a business, for example, or even at a church or a nonprofit, if the senior leadership is pushing harder and harder and the decision-making is done at the top, is that's the reason why employees, that's the great resignation that's going on. The, the, uh, employees are fed yeah, up. You're trying to, it's like you're trying to swim upstream against a current. Yes. You know, like it's, it's tough. It's very tough. Almost impossible. It is. Yeah, well, I'm thinking, you know, hey, I'm a little Bobby Albert. How can I make a yeah. difference, you know? And uh, because it's just, it's too overwhelming. And, uh, but I, I tell you what, it's kind of like me living this second half of life. I am not going to give up. I'm, you know, I am not going to give in. Uh, but I, I, hey, I, I, some days I do think like, oh, God, man, this, this is mm -hmm. hard, you know. <laughs> uh, but I am just not going to give up. And um, uh, because I, I just, for me, I, I think part of it is because I have an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset. And I, I just see the opportunities all around. Mm -hmm. But a scarcity mindset person, it's like they're trying to protect, you know, they're trying to maintain what they've got and they'll fight for that. And, and, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, I think that's kind of part of it. Isn't that funny though? You know, the, the scarcity mindset's like the more that you try to hold on to something, <laughs> you get the opposite effect. Oh, that's the paradox. Yeah. 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 yeah well, just say, I, I use an illustration of, of a farmer. Mm. When a farmer's casting seed, the one that has the abundance mindset, they will cast the seeds uh, 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 in, in a very abundant mm -hmm. way, you know, because there's more seeds coming in their mind. There's plenty of seeds, but the scarcity mindset, that farmer is only going to cast only a few seeds and because they're afraid they're going to, they're deficient. They feel that they don't, they, they'll run out. So they'll hold back. And so they'll cast fewer seeds but you know what's going to be when it comes to harvest, which one's going to have the abundant harvest. And, and I tell you what, if you don't cast seeds, you're not going to have a mm -hmm. harvest. So it, it's, uh, uh, that's another lesson that you just mentioned. It's so crazy how many you're mentioning, but that's a lesson in itself is like, you can't expect to have a, a abundant <clears throat> harvest and on any level, if you're not planting seeds throughout, you know, the time that you need to be planting those seeds, you know, it's like, yes. Okay. So you need it. You, you started a business, you need customers. Okay. Well, what are you doing? Are you spending two, three hours a day trying to collect business and, and on the phones and making phone calls and planting your seeds? Are you doing what you need to do? Are you creating the environment that you need to create? Like anything that you do can be applicable. And it's just most people, I think here's the thing that I've noticed 
is they're too impatient. They're too impatient, and and they just they want the results now. I mean, we live in a we live in a almost instantaneous results driven society. Yes, where we need yeah. satisfaction and gratification yesterday. Yes, and exactly. it's that kind of like yeah. attention deficit disorder, societal you know thought thought yeah. process that. It's not like it's really it's just affecting us negatively. And like, do you remember? I mean, you're 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 a little older than I am, so you might remember just just a a tad. But like when I don't know, you had like a Saturday or Sunday and maybe you had a television, maybe you didn't definitely had a radio, but you didn't have a cell phone. Right. You didn't have a mobile phone. You didn't have a tablet. You didn't have any of that stuff. So you're, you were limited. You could either go outside or what I would do is you sit down, you read a book, whether it be a fictional book or a nonfiction book, but you get to, you get to slow down yeah. and you get to be with your thoughts and you get to experience life and you're not expecting something instantaneously. And it's that pressure that, that didn't exist at that time that allowed you to, to, to live and thrive and learn who you were and, and, and what you're about and what you like and what you don't like. And you get to enjoy the process. We don't enjoy the process anymore at all. We just want to be, that's it. I put on my Instagram that I'm a CEO of a company. I'm that's it. I'm a CEO of a company and, and that's the end of it. I'm going to go scam people and and make as much money as I can selling something that I don't actually do. And and I know that sounds like a joke, but I've seen that so many times. It's almost disgusting. Yeah, exactly. This is one thing I, when I'm coaching uh, senior yeah. leaders, is that I'm 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 helping them understand uh, is that the position doesn't make the leader, the leader makes the Amen position. Amen to that. And and so uh, yeah, there there's a lot of truth in what you were talking about there, and uh, uh, we. We're in, uh, we're in a, but see, I, I just see the things we're talking about. I, I see with abundance mindset, to me, it's win-win. With a scarcity mindset, somebody has to lose yes. for me to win. Yeah. And, and uh, I teach on a prince, uh, it's called principle versus expediency. And that's what you're touching on is that this, immediate gratification and what i've learned is uh, we make choices and our choices make us and we're making choices moment by moment but those choices we make uh typically uh are either driven by uh by fear or driven by faith and the one that's driven by fear is this short-term gain, self-gratification mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want it mm-hmm. now. But what happens over time uh, is that you'll incur uh, long-term uh, negative consequences. And uh, I, I saw something just recently uh, is that consequences it, it, it's kind of like uh, we, you can't take back the consequences no. because it, it's kind of like taking a bottle of water pouring it on the ground and trying to pick up the water <laughs> That's a great... you can't yeah. I mean you can't yeah. do it 
It's impossible. And that's what happens, the consequences. And uh, when people get caught, typically they are with their consequences. They typically are not uh, regretful for what they did uh, that caused the consequences. They're more that they got mm -hmm. caught. And so, but the one that operates out of faith, they look at... Uh, uh, they, they're looking at uh, what they do, talking about process, like you mentioned earlier, that it's an investment. They're willing to do short-term sacrifices. And what I've seen over time, this is living in a, in, a, uh, in a principle way. The other way is an expedient way. The principle way, you'll end up uh, incurring uh, long-term growth and success. That's the difference. But... Uh, the the one that uh, on the principle operates on a principle basis, uh, they are I use the term they're character driven. The one the other ones are emotional driven, yeah. and there's a huge difference between operating. I always tell people, hey, your your feelings will always override your intellect. Mm -hmm. And, and so many people are operating, you know, like, you know, you commented way earlier about, uh, you know, social media, about people just operate on their feelings. Yeah. That's like 90% of people today. Yeah. But uh, this just gives you an example of, of a character driven is they, they do right, then they feel good. But a person that is motion driven, they want to feel good first then they they'll go do right it, it's it's uh it, it it's amazing uh when you start operating out of principles rather than out of your emotions the difference that it can make in your life yeah i really believe that that takes you out of scarcity mindset and uh, and and scarcity for people listening isn't just money like it's it's fear. It's being, it's being, it's being, uh, your day to day processing is being run by fear. And that fear is then inhibiting you and making you make decisions that if you were to step outside of yourself and think logically and, and like you said, character driven based off a of principle, your, your decisions would be clearer and they would be long term plays that would feed you for a lifetime and yes. you know and also i also think that that also ties into the law of reciprocity which is not what most people think it's not whatever i'm going to do something for you or you're going to do something for me it's no it's you're just you're adding you're adding to the toll of good in the world yeah you know yeah and, and yeah one of my no that was yeah. it one of my core value yeah one of my core values is add value to people and, and to me, it's, it's, you know, we've talked about it earlier about, uh, you know, serving, you know, lifting them up so I can serve yep. them more. But the key is I don't expect anything in return, and but I've just that's learned the kicker, Bobby, how many people do that? Yeah, not too many, but the thing is, you know what I've learned if I, with that attitude, not expect anything in return, it is, it's fascinating the return yeah. I get. Because I'm not even expecting yeah. it. Were you always like that? I have. I, I don't know how to explain it. Even back, I tell you what, 
uh, when I was, uh, I, I, my dad taught me uh, a, a lesson that uh, I, I can't explain it, but uh, you know, I shared that I was in the glamorous moving mm -hmm. and storage business. Well, when I was 12 years old, my dad, because uh, I was anxious to get out, go out on a job. When I was 12 years old, my dad let me go out on my first movie. Oh, okay. All right. So the first time that I went out, right before I went out, he said, now, Bobby, uh, and I, I was very fortunate to hang out with my dad a lot when, as a little boy. But right before I went out, he said, now, Bobby, when you go out there, I don't want you to act like the boss's son. Well, I can't explain it, but as 12 years old, I knew exactly what he meant. So when I went out there on that job, I did the kind of work that nobody wanted to do. And back then it was folding uh, the pads, the moving blankets, some people call them blanket. The reason why, and I'm embarrassed to tell you back then, I mean, we're talking about a long time ago, they were never clean, they were filthy dirty, and it was the dirtiest job you could ever Ooh. do. But also, I would run from the truck to the house, the house and the truck. I would take one break to everybody's two breaks. But I took on the role as, sir, I was there to serve them and not to be served because I was the boss's son. And so, but that attitude, I think it played out because uh, it's amazing as a little boy in elementary school, uh, I was always asked to be the captain of the, you know, we'd go out for recess, you know. I was always asked to be the captain of, uh, you know, if we played flag football or something mm -hmm. like that. I, I Just as a little boy, I've always been asked to be the president of the club or, you know, just uh, I never have been, I never have sought out a leadership role except what I'm doing right now. Uh, so it, it's always someone has asked me to do it. And uh, uh, so that's just one of the things I'm just gifted at. That's wonderful. Um, I, I share a similar story. I, I, was, I was fortunate to come from a family of uh, entrepreneurs. Um, we were dirt poor when, when they started, but eventually um, got to a point where I was working with them, and uh, I learned a lot at a very young age, and I, I was very similar to you. I was able to really pick up on – I was older than you. I was probably like 15, but I, uh, you know, I was, I was pumping gas at my uncle's gas station at, you know, after school, uh, yeah. and then on weekends I would, do, I would do like the graveyard shift. You know, because he would, yeah, he, yeah wow. he would go with me, and he that was like the time that he, this was during the beginning when he was first starting out. So he was there, and so I was like, okay. And I, four, fifteen years old, under the table, obviously, because I was of I was legal age to be on payroll. But there was, I mean, I saw things that I felt like I should have never seen at fifteen. There were some interesting people. Yeah, I, I, it was, yeah. it was fascinating. But I learned very simple things like how to count my money and how to budget and understanding dynamics between, you know, manager and employee. And there really isn't a difference other than, yeah, like you said, it is leadership. And, and I saw my uncle treat his shop like 
not only did he own it, but that it was, he just, he had this profound respect, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and that just, you were able to see that and that went everywhere he went. And, and I remember one time I'm going to, I'm going to, this is my last thing I'm going to say. He also owned some like dollar stores as well. He just, he's had a bunch of stuff. I remember I was in a store one day and there was like a toy or something on the floor. And he said, would you mind picking that up? I'm like, sure, absolutely. He said, if you're ever in a store and you see an item on the floor next to the rack, I want you to pick it up and hang it up. I said, why? He said, because somebody has worked very hard to make sure that everything looks neat and organized. And there's just some people that are disrespectful and will disrespect yeah. other people's work. And I never forgot that. Crazy. Yeah. That, yeah, great, great advice. Great advice. Yeah, that's one reason why if I, you know, over the years I've borrowed, you know, like a lawnmower or something from, I always made sure I, I returned it in better yep. condition than I got it, you know. Because uh, uh, I someday I may need to borrow <laughs> yeah. it again, you know. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Where uh, where can people find you? Are you taking on any clients? Are you uh, doing any speaking gigs? If somebody wants to work with you, how can they do that? Yes, uh, uh, I, I do uh, coaching and, and speaking and workshops and consulting. And uh, people can get, it's pretty simple. Uh, they can, at our website, it's pretty simple. BobbyAlbert.com, uh, B-O-B-B-Y. A L B E R T dot com, and uh, Mo, if it's okay with you, I can um, give your audience uh, a free Please. gift. Uh, uh, it, it's uh, I have a uh, it's a simple link. Uh, it's it's BobbyAlbert dot com slash, and it's treated as one word. Uh, uh, culture checkup. BobbyAlbert.com slash culture checkup and uh, that may would help uh, people uh, that's in an organization that would like to do a comparison of what their cultures oh, are. Oh, wonderful. So it, it's like a, an assessment, a health assessment about their... It, exactly. It. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, I will definitely add that in into, uh, into the description for, uh, for this podcast. That's phenomenal.